Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cassandra's Report. I'll pronounce that very carefully this time, as I didn't on our first podcast. Um, here we are going to be talking about ancient history for the modern world. Uh, this is our second episode. Uh, I'm Lauren. I'm Amanda. And uh, we had actually originally planned out to do our second episode on historiography, uh, which we'll talk about probably, I guess, the third episode now. But um, given recent events, um, recent recent for us, right, we'll probably be posting this later. So um, if if the world has ended in the interim, uh, <laughs> this probably won't make much sense to you anymore, uh, or if some other huge news has happened. But the last sort of huge news um, as of now uh, was the Muslim ban. Uh, put in by Donald Trump's administration. And it got us thinking about how we think about Muslims, how we think about uh, Middle Eastern history and Middle Eastern people, and how we think about the West and our history and how all those things fit together and how much we hate <laughs> how a lot of it comes out um, in popular conception. Right. So, and yeah, we decided today to talk about that. Yeah, and and to, you know, to sort of point out how little... Um, most people know uh, how little is known in popular culture about mm -hmm. uh, Middle Eastern history, other than the fact that that's where Muslims live today. And that's <laughs> where Muslims have been fighting the Jews forever. And, and that's pretty much it. You know, I think that that right. is um, that there is this this division between, you know, us and them that endures that. Uh, and most people don't actually know a whole lot about the history of the Middle East. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I think, um, sort of gets to a lot of what we want to talk about today is this idea of the West, right? Yes. Of Western civilization. And the idea, and even, you know, and I think I've, I've taught Western Civ classes. I think you've taught Western Civ. Like we yeah. all have to kind of accept this title, um, for a category of history that we teach. But it's a total misnomer in a lot of ways, right? When we think about, Western Civ, and we think of, you know, like the Greeks and the Romans as people who brought us the world. Um, it's a total crock, because actually, um, as anybody who's ever taught Western Civ knows, um, you don't start the class in Europe. <laughs> you start the yeah. class in the Middle East, um, and it stays there, and you go back there. So, um, yeah, the, the whole concept um, of the West and of Western civilization, which, like, is creepily uh, popular, in a lot of conservative um, yes. thinkers and even like historians, um, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's something that yeah I think I think we want to spend a lot of this that, episode pushing back on exactly and this notion that you know civilization starts with the Greeks and the Romans and it's created you know uh, it has created a Eurocentric view of the world mm -hmm. um, uh, and by Eurocentric uh, we mean that essentially. Uh, you know, the idea that that European culture uh, is uh, implicitly preeminent mm -hmm. uh, among all others. Uh, and it's something that we either experience explicitly. I mean, some people will just tell you, well, you know, uh, uh, white people are, <laughs> are, are uh, you know, white people who come from Europe usually are uh, are better than anybody else. Or uh, in more implicit ways or more subtle ways, which are actually kind of the more dangerous, the, the, the most dangerous way, really. Mm -hmm. And one example that I love for this is uh, and drives me absolutely crazy mm -hmm. uh, is that if you ever watch a documentary uh, on um, and I'm sure probably everyone has at one point watched a documentary about. Who built the pyramids? Oh my gosh. Right? Um, uh, and whether this documentary is quote unquote a, uh, serious documentary by, you know, the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, or part, a, a topic, uh, uh, of Ancient Aliens documentary. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you remember uh, that week that we spent, like, just watching Ancient Aliens and screaming at the screen? Yeah, it was terrible. It was amazing. <laughs> and what's really interesting is that in these, especially these ancient aliens episodes, what uh, we found was was horribly interesting and very sadly interesting, mm -hmm. uh, that all of the, you know, no one ever questions uh, the fact that the Colosseum or the Parthenon 
or European monuments were ever built by anybody else but the Europeans. Right. All the subjects of these shows are always things like the Egyptians, uh, you know, South South American cultures. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's just incredible. Uh, yeah. Because essentially, it's giving you kind of this subliminal message that they couldn't possibly have right. done it themselves. Brown people couldn't build the pyramids; it had to be aliens. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and, and that's that's the kind of really dangerous, um, uh, it, the most dangerous Eurocentrism there is because it's super subtle, and uh, and you'll see this even you know uh, set aside even the ancient alien <laughs> type <laughs> shows, even just actual documentaries mm-hmm. that are supposed to be, well, quote-unquote academic, um, that still continue to make people believe that we don't know how the Egyptians built the pyramids. I know, it's and, so and weird. FYI, newsflash, we actually do. <laughs> we, <laughs> <Yeah>. we know. <laughs> and, and I feel like, and this is another thing, I know I know you've experienced this too, it's like, no matter where you go, what you do, like, I remember, the, I think the biggest time this happened, I was getting a new phone at Verizon. Uh, and you know, you're the making small talk and you're like, Oh, what do you do? You're like, Oh, I'm an ancient historian. They're like, Oh, the aliens built the pyramids, eh? (laughs) (laughs) And and then it's really awkward because you're just trying to like sign a phone contract. And then you're like getting into this huge argument about how, no, in fact, aliens did not build the pyramids and we do know how it happened. And it's because people are smart, even brown people, even ancient people, people are smart and ingenious and think about ways to do things. And granted, like I say, I mean, I'm not saying that, I mean, theoretically, I mean, I can't disprove that aliens didn't build it, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that the Egyptians could build it. They I, were, mean, I mean, they, they... I'm willing to go on the record saying it wasn't aliens. Like, yeah, I mean, just... I, I will too, personally, but somebody, somebody is going to fight me on like, oh, well, how can you say that it wasn't? Well, I'm not saying that it couldn't have been, but my point is, is that your argument... For the the main argument usually for aliens uh-huh. is that well they couldn't possibly have done this look at this and look at uh, this type of architecture and this kind of technique and this kind of technology mm-hmm. they couldn't possibly have had it when in fact yes that is that is the problem is that your main argument is is false they could have yeah. so yeah, we don't have sure. to look elsewhere now if you yeah. want to look elsewhere then knock yourself out but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm 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 still really really skeptical um, of any aliens in ancient no, Egypt I, I, for I the record, <laughs> uh, and and that's the thing. And so these kinds of programs, you, this is the kind of like pernicious like, Eurocentrism yeah. that uh, kind of invades like so many aspects of our culture. Yeah. Um, so okay, when one of the things that also sort of drives me nuts um, when we talk about the West. Right. When we talk about the West in terms of Western Civ, right, when we teach it, we actually mean the ancient Mediterranean. Right. Yes. Which is nowadays not necessarily what everyone considers West. Right. It includes North Africa. It includes Egypt. It includes the Levant. And I and I did want to um, uh, do a little detour on that because I feel like this is a word that there's a surprising amount of confusion about, um, at least with my undergrad student. People are always baffled um, and it's become newly relevant because um, of the term ISIL, which is the uh, term that uh, the U.S. government uses for ISIS, um, which is instead of the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, it's the Islamic State in Iraq and the Levant, um, which is a term that gets used for um, the whole coastal area there, right, including Syria and Mada Israel. Um, yeah, and it comes, I think, from... Uh, Levant, I mean, it means the rising. Yeah, the rising, right? The rising of the sun. Where the sun rises. Because the sun rises in the east. Yeah, yeah, and and so technically it encompasses what is today. And, 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 you know, historians, you know, of the ancient Mediterranean use this Mm -hmm. term a lot, and so we'll probably be using it. Um, But it it does refer to really sort of um, actually, you know, Egypt, so northeastern Africa, uh, Palestine, Jordan, Israel, uh, Lebanon and Syria, basically. I don't, I don't think the Levant refers to Egypt, does it? Uh, sometimes it's included as. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe like when Levant. Egypt sneaks up the coast. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. But I mean, it's there's no there's no like official. Member. Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, the all of these places, right? Uh, North Africa, all the way west, 
um, to Egypt, the Levant, Anatolia, so modern-day Turkey, um, Greece, Italy, Spain. These are all parts of a world that was um, completely connected uh, throughout ancient history. Yeah. So trying to separate them off, um, not that they didn't have distinct cultures and histories, but the idea of being like, ah, it was Greece and Italy that accomplished these things. And uh, these Africans were completely different and not part of our history is just total bullshit um, that I don't think any ancient historian buys. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, often when when I think when I think about the ancient world uh, or the ancient Mediterranean, right, it's as a connected, uh, connected area, connected group of cultures that you can't you can't separate off and value one over another. Exactly. Um, But if you want to talk about beginnings Mm-hmm. Um, the beginnings of what we call civilization. And of course, the term civilization is, you know, all kinds of <laughs> yeah, ha- ha- has a lot of, uh, you know, there's 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 some issues with that, of course, because lots of room for interpretation. Yes. Right. But uh, if we mean sort of the beginning of uh, large scale um, state level societies uh, with organized government, organized religion, um, uh, population centers that are large enough to be called cities. Mm-hmm. Infrastructure. Organi- infrastructure, um, large building projects, etc. Mm-hmm. craft specialization. Uh, those things actually begin not in Greece and Rome, <laughs> uh, but in Mesopotamia, what we call um uh, you know, in, in history, we call Mesopotamia, which means it's a Greek word for between the two rivers, um, which refers to uh, the Tigris and the Euphrates in what is uh, today modern uh, Iraq and Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, a little bit of Turkey on top, but that's that's the area referred to as Mesopotamia and then the Levant. Uh, the first cities. Uh, and the first sort of large, you know, monumental building projects, uh, and the, uh, 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 the first, uh, the earliest evidence for writing originates from the Levant and Mesopotamia. Um, around about, I mean, the first sort of, uh, big move towards population centers begins in 5000, but basically around 3000 BC, you have state level societies, big cities, and writing that's developed um, in what is today uh, the Levant and Iraq and Iran. Uh, and that includes one of the first law codes, for example, which I know everybody's heard about the law code of Hammurabi, and that is definitely one of them. Uh, but that actually uh, dates to the second millennium. Um, the first, uh, the earliest, dates to the very, very late third millennium, and that's the law code of Ornamu. I don't um, think I've ever heard this before. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I always teach Hammurabi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it, they're close in date, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you know, this is also the, yeah the first uh, literature in the world as well, like the first creation myth, mm-hmm. myth which um, you may have heard of. It's called the Enuma Elish. Also dates to around three thousand or so. Uh, so. Oh, actually, no. The new Malish is, I think, later. It's in the second millennium. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, these well, in are, terms of writing, not in right. terms necessarily of of creation or transmission, just in terms right, of being of written course, down. In terms of yeah. when it was written down. Yeah. Uh, so these are sort of uh, these are the first, you know, sort of first cities, the first states, mm-hmm. uh, and Egypt comes very, very close. Close second here because right. it's almost parallel. Yeah. So, I mean, but basically, like, if we're going to look for where what we think of civilization starting, right, law, government, infrastructure, writing, it's all it's all in Mesopotamia. Um, but, yeah, Egypt, um, Egypt is, I find, I've always loved Egypt. It's super fascinating. What Egypt does, uh, well, certainly does all the cities and infrastructure and stuff a little bit later than Mesopotamia and writing a little bit later. But what it does slightly differently is that in Mesopotamia, um, pretty much all the organization is in terms of city-states, right? Yes. Individual, um, small geographic areas that organize themselves into governments. Um, and that sometimes will, like, conquer other ones. But yeah. the basic um, the basic u- uh, unit of, of uh, organization mm-hmm. in Mesopotamia is the city-state. City state, yeah. um, in Egypt, what they do kind of differently, and there's a lot of really interesting sort of um, 
studies of how the environment affects this, right, is that Egypt um, is really the first place to be a nation state. Um, mm-hmm. That there's an entire geographic area, um, the Nile Valley, right, uh, that goes from sort of the cataracts where the river becomes pretty much impassable. Um, all the way up to the delta of the Mediterranean, that really early on um, gets uh, gets merged into one pretty stable uh, governmental organization that has like really impressive bureaucracy, really impressive organization, particularly based around like um, irrigation um, and agricultural infrastructure. The Nile Delta, especially when, or not the Nile Delta, the entire um, the entire course of the Nile uh, floods and recedes gently pretty much every year. And with, if you include um, like canals and irrigation, it's just like uh, agricultural heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. um, they, they did a lot of working together to, to get that done. And then like, you know, really what I, what I find fascinating about Egypt, um, not that, you know, there aren't other places that have had similar things that we'll get to one of them in a sec, but like Egypt starts being unified um, very early on, I think in like 2,500-ish. I should actually look that up. I'm actually, here's a here's a, yeah. here's a tip for all you wanted historians. I am terrible with dates. <laughs> you can be a historian and be terrible with dates. Um, although I do not tell my students that I need to at least memorize the century. Um, but um, from very early on, they, they have this um, civilization, writing system, um, way of life that remains shockingly consistent mm-hmm. for thousands of years. Yeah. Um, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. And, and you're right. I think one of the, you know, one of the major differences is that in, in Mesopotamia and the Levant, um, you, you do have, I mean, uh, an incredible, you know, once they get started, an incredible mm-hmm. number of city states, some of mm-hmm. which, and by city state, we mean it, it essentially like that there is a city and it's, uh, sort of, immediate territory is ruled mm-hmm. by one entity and by a king in this case. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it can be a, a pretty small uh, state, um, but, uh, but they all function independently until, mm-hmm. you know, until one of them starts conquering the others. And this is the case with, you know, the Sumerian civilization, which they're the first uh, to sort of really expand and see them with like, the Akkadians expanding and the Babylonians. Uh, so mm-hmm. you have these different episodes of, you know, uh, empire making, I suppose. But uh, the fundamental structure is uh, of the state, and especially along the, Le- the Levantine coast, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, an incredible high number of independent states just working with each other, but functioning separately from an administrative point of view. Yeah. And so I, I definitely looked it up. The the Narmer pit, which mm-hmm. is um, a, a piece of Egyptian art that is generally considered to depict the unification of the upper and lower kingdom. Um, so the, the beginning of the, the true nation state of Egypt is from around the 31st century BCE. Mm-hmm. So it was all by like 600 or so years. <laughs> well, no fun. problem. <laughs> well, I would I would barely take off points for that on a test. So yeah. it's fine. Um yeah, so, and we've mentioned before that we focus on the ancient Mediterranean, but um, that that is not the only kind of um, ancient civilization out there. Um, also notable um, uh, are the civilizations of the Indus Valley, which are also actually pretty close in time, uh, just a little bit later than uh, the Mesopotamian uh, city-states and Egypt. Um, uh, we have we have evidence of cities at uh, Mohenjo-Daro and Harappa, the Indus Valley, Um have an urban period, um, yeah, sort of t- uh, 2,500 to 1,900 CE. Um, we don't, we we haven't, um, we haven't uh, deciphered their writing, so we don't have anywhere near as much information about their system. But as you know, uh, very interesting and advanced um, building in a city and uh, evidence of uh, craft, evidence of trade. Right, this is something that. Um, I always sort of harp on, especially in, in World Civ, um, that all of this is is connected, right? We we have evidence of uh, connections between the Indus Valley civilization and uh, and Mesopotamian civilization. We even have sort of uh, documentation of that that we get. Uh, King Sargon um, talks about having uh, traders from um, the Indus Valley, 
living in Mesopotamia. Um, so that one, um, is, is also super, um, early and well-developed. We don't know as much about it. We don't know who they were. We don't know what their language was. Um, when we get to China also, um, there are, uh, multiple different early civilizations that, um, flourish between 4,000 and 2000 BCE, um, at least eight different distinct cultures that were in different places and, um, had different systems. Again, we don't always know too much about them. The first one that we have writing from is the Shang dynasty, where we get these really, really cool. Um, uh, one of the first, I think one of the things that's fascinating, right, is um, what civilizations start writing with and what they start writing for. Um, so uh, Mesopotamia, they start with writing like um, records of uh, like business documents. Yes. Well, um, yeah. and, and laws as well. Um, but right. I think yeah, no, but the earliest the, writing we find are, are like, uh, uh, essentially tax records and records of, of yes. transactions. Yeah. Um, in Egypt, economic, yeah. yeah. In Egypt, we, we see really early on, um, religious texts. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. pretty much the earliest stuff we see. Um, yeah. I think as so. well as monumental stuff, right? Uh, yep. Um, and in, in Shang China, the first writing we have is, uh, being used for divination, uh, in the sense of like, uh, divining the will of the gods, um, and what we should do in their lives, uh, by, uh, essentially by casting, um, by, by seeing where bones, uh, where tortoiseshells crack and where bones crack on, uh, on, on writing. So uh, I find that that's just fascinating, like what writing is for in different cities. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so when we're talking also about not just sort of, I mean, there, there are huge empires, right? Uh, in the middle, I feel like we're doing a really big jump here. Yeah. You might want to jump in with some huge empires, um, in, in Mesopotamia and Italia. What? Do you want to jump in? But I feel like we're, I want to talk about Persia, but I feel like we're skipping oh, yeah. it. Like yeah. a thousand I mean, years of gigantic I, empires. I mean, I, I don't think that there's any way we can really go over all no. of the different empires. I mean, if you're interested, you know, there's, you know, the, yeah, the Akkadians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Neo-Assyrians, the Hittites. Um, these are all civilizations from, you know, the sort of first millennium BC, but, mm-hmm. uh, so. Um, yeah, no, the, the one that we wanted to just sort of give a special shout out yeah. to, um, <laughs> sure, um, is, uh, the Persian Empire. And, uh, this actually was something that, that I, uh, I thought was really interesting because it is, it's a huge empire. It's a huge empire that has a remarkable amount of territory all the way from India to Egypt to, to modern day Turkey. Um, they make incursions into, into Greece. Um, really huge in, in terms of territory and in terms of organization and in terms of, um, uh, um, you know, all the other stuff we think of, right? Like monumental architecture and art and all of these kinds of things. And very um, long lived. Yes. And one of the things that I, I hadn't really thought about this, but when I was doing my undergrad, I had a friend from Iran. And, uh, she said, like, we were at a party one day and she was like, oh, so it's really weird. Cause you know, when I was growing up, we learned all the time about like Cyrus and the Persian empire and how that was a big thing. And no one here seems to have ever heard of it. Like, was it really like that big and important empire that we were taught? And I was like, yes, it definitely was. Um, yes, but not, apparently- not your schooling's fault. Right. Um, it is our schooling's fault. But that again, people do not know that. you know, again, another example of, you know, I mean, the fact that, you know, everybody talks about the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was never as big as the Persian Empire. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have to wonder at some point in your life. <laughs> and this is the thing, like, when you're a historian, you start getting into history, and you start, like, you know, really looking into things, and you think, like, isn't that – I mean, it's – I understand it in the sense that, of course, like, there has been such a, you know, this Greco-Roman heritage that we have – Mm-hmm. is is very much still alive so in some ways you know it it's it, it makes sense uh to to place some emphasis on that on yeah. the other hand um yeah you know you ask most people honestly like what was the biggest ancient empire in the world and they will tell you that it's the roman empire mm-hmm. and that is like far from the truth <laughs> yeah um and yeah. and so it's worth sort of thinking about why that is and how sad yeah. it is um, that, uh, the, the, you know, that so much energy is focused on teaching certain things to the exclusion or glossing over of others. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. And like 
So, I mean, and and when we say Persia, I mean, and Persia still gets used, I think, as a term for Iran in the Iranian mm-hmm. language. Yeah. Um, a couple of things to note about that, just because I think this is something that, that does get confused a lot. Um, Persian uh, people and language are Indo-European, um, which we can talk about what that means, I guess, some other gigantic long podcast. Um, but they're, uh, at least as far as we are able to tell, uh, both in terms of like genetics and in terms of language, closely related to people from India through Europe. They are not Semitic. Um, so the Semitic people are Arabs, uh, uh, Hebrew speakers, yeah. um, other people, uh, on the North African coast and on, in the Levant. In the Levant. Um, yeah. and, and I, something that I think obviously people are still very confused about today, people think, like Iranians are Arab and they're not right. Right. The things Persian is not an Arabic language. It is an Indo-European language. Um, and this is before, um, Islam, right? The Persian empire. Um, I think they were Zoroastrian, uh, yeah. which is still a living religion. Yeah. Um, that a lot of Iranians, mm-hmm. um, are, but are, yeah. yeah. And, and anyway. so, yeah, so they, sorry, did you, were you no, no, on your I, I, had, yeah. I had run out of things to say but about Zoroastrianism. I, I was just going to say that, yes. So they are, um, uh, Indo-European, but just to clarify, so that we, uh, you know, they are in fact uh, a- ancient Persia was mm-hmm. uh, based, uh, originated in what is today modern Iran. So, yes. uh, so you know, so so we are talking, we're not talking about Europeans, um, no. you know, uh, but Iranians continue to be technically like Iranian, right. like. Like it continues to be an Indo-European language. It continues to be people of the same heritage. Right, right, right. right. There's yeah. just this idea that like everyone who has brown skin from the Middle East is like Arab. Absolutely, no, absolutely. <laughs> which is not true. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. So they're they're still there. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if you were to look at a, a map of the you know the Persian Empire, there, it was um, pretty impressive yeah. and extremely long lived. Um, I believe. Let's see. Was um, Started in maybe what was it like five hundred BC, eight hundred BC? Yeah, but I mean, as 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 almost anything, right? Like what you define as one empire, like there are different dynasties, or different groups that organize it, and, right? Of course, which is true of the Roman Empire too, right? There's multiple yeah. different phases you can say, or is not necessarily the same thing. No, of course, yeah. Um, so talking about Persia kind of brings us back around to what we started with, which is this idea of the West, the capital W West and the capital E East. Um, and where this idea really starts in a way, um, is, is in ancient Greece. Um, which is kind of funny because I think when we look back at it now, uh, for example, if you watch the movie 300, (laughs) right? Which is, uh, a story about, uh, a war between Greece and Persia. And in which, uh, which was originally, obviously, um, the, the historian that wrote about it is named Herodotus. Uh, his work is the first work of sort of what we think of as history, right? Uh, and it, it is the story of these wars. But what I think gets lost in the way that, um, Herodotus gets interpreted now is the idea that, like, these were two separate cultures and societies, um, where if, even if you read Herodotus, right, Herodotus himself, who is a Greek, who writes in Greece, uh, Greek, is from modern-day Turkey, right. um, from a culture that is a, a Greek, a Greek city, but that is part of a, a world um, that is not Greek, right, that that has all of these cultures um, together. Um, yeah. He's carrying and... They sort of live alongside each other. And... Right. And have profound influence on each other. Yeah. Right? There's no, there's no real sense that, like, he's like, oh, who are you people? You're Eastern. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, mm-hmm. There, There is a distinction um, in terms of political organization between the Persians and the Greeks. And certainly they all had ideas about each other. Um, right. and, and a lot of ideas that we still have of the East, right? That it's luxurious that people are slaves because they follow a king and are, aren't, like, in democracy or whatever. Mm-hmm. These ideas all come from Herodotus. Yeah. Um, or they don't come from Herodotus, right, but we right. first see them in writing um, <laughs> in Herodotus. But um, that kind of, um, and especially the way it gets shown in like 300, written by Frank Miller, who had a lot of racism coming yeah. out mm-hmm. in his graphic novels, um, it, it, it sort of hides the fact that even then, these cultures were profoundly connected yeah. um, and, and drew a tremendous amount 
from each other and had had lots of connections with each other, right? I think that one of the things that I always love telling people who are, like, big fans of 300 is you're like, oh, what happened after? Um, oh, yeah, Sparta and Persia definitely had an alliance yeah. with the rest of Greece <laughs> for a while. And then, you know, like, uh, Pythagoras goes to live in Persia uh, yeah. once he gets mm-hmm. exiled from, from Athens. So yeah. it's not like they actually uh, – it's not like they thought Persia was a – uh, a bigger threat to their existence than any other right. uh, territorial enemy that they had, right? There was actually an idea of, um, of, of Eastern slaves coming to take over Western democracy. Uh, that's yeah. actually a really modern take mm-hmm. on the ancient world. Right. And yeah, it's, it's really, but this, this idea of, in some ways, this idea of us as them, Mm-hmm. Um, because, okay, the, the Greek, Greek city, Greeks also, we'll talk about Greece a lot at the point. Um, but okay, there was no Greece. There were Greek right. city states, like literally hundreds of them, uh, hundreds of city states, mm-hmm. um, that spent the ent- their entire existence fighting each other. Literally. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, however, except for the one time when, you know, the Persians, like, uh, threatened uh, to come, uh, threatened invasion. And for the first time, a historical moment in like the, mm-hmm. the history of ancient Greece, the ancient Greek city states decide to unite. Many of them, not all of them. Yeah, many of them. Not many of them. them, not all of them. But for the first time, instead <laughs> yeah. of uh, uh, sort of talking about, because you know, when you were in ancient Greece, somebody asked you where you're from, you're not like, oh, I'm I'm Greek. Uh, the right. person would say, I'm, I'm Athenian or I'm Spartan. And they would tell stories like, oh, how stupid those Athenians are. And, you know, yeah. uh, they did not, I mean, they knew that they were all Greeks. They all have something in common, but they're very, very, uh, you know, individual, individualistic in terms of like their specific ethnic, you know, ethnic identities. Yeah. Um, but for the first time, uh, they decided to kind of join forces and in some way this, this sort of encouraged this notion of like us, we the Greeks are great as opposed to we Athenian are great or we Spartans are great. Right. Um, and so this idea that, 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 that Greece, uh, the West, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, for them, that the Eastern is really, that the Easterners are coming to us. And it's like, it creates this, this, you know, this sense of like us versus them for the first time yeah. in a way that's really, uh, conflictual for the first yeah. time, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because before well, that, okay. there's no real, I mean, sure, before that, it was like, well, they're, you know, they're different from us, but right. it wasn't quite the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So it's driving me crazy. I can't remember the name of the guy that wrote that book that basically was like that. He was a super, um, super respected and well-known Greek historian who wrote that book that was basically like, yeah, the Greeks were fighting for democracy against the the oh. Persians who were slaves. What's his name? Really? Oh, you know what I'm talking about, right? And he's like, he's like, he like became George Bush's advisor. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> no, that's cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can I'm just like putting random words into Google now okay. to try to find who this is because I do know that this was a person that happened. Um but, but this is true. Uh, you know, that this notion of um uh, democracy against slavery, um you know, we the West and our democratic beautiful ideals uh, uh, versus yes. the East and their tyrannies. Yes. Victor Davis Hannon. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, oh, and like, I, I, I hate, like, I was just about to be really, not really offensive, but like, I was about to make a a sweeping comment that was probably unfair about military historians. (laughs) (laughs) But let's be real, we all know about military historians. Well, they they tend to be more conservative. Yeah. I'd say, than other historians. Yes, this is true. Um, but yeah, that is something. Oh, the Western way of war. Right, the Western way. Um, and what was the other one that he wrote? Another one that was something also ridiculous. Yeah. A war like no other. Anyway, basically, his his idea is very much this idea that we're we are arguing against. Um, that it's anachronistic to see it really as a, a reflection of Western values. Yeah. Versus. Right, and that's barbarians. Right. That's the thing again, like that you know, kind of insidiously creeps in culture because of movies yeah. like The Three Hundred, where they're all yelling about like freedom and democracy, um, whereas. <laughs> 
you know, most of the Greeks and, and even the Athenians um, have slaves. And um, as we'll find out in another episode that, you know, one subject I wanted to bring up with is specifically Athenian democracy, uh, which is, is very different from a very different kind of democracy than um, you would imagine. So the fact that coming out of people's mouths in that movie um, for yeah. us is like really painful because... <laughs> Yeah, because it's yeah. just ridiculous. Um, yeah, they did. Uh, you know, that is a, a, such a great example of like modern views being, um, yeah. uh, you know, misrepresenting what. Yeah, and, and let me be clear. I love Three Hundred. Right. I love Three Hundred: Rise of an Empire immoderately. I think that they do an amazing job of um, presenting a very Herodotian view. Yes. Um, of the world, which is not. It's not, like, historical reality. Right. It's incredibly interpretive and, like, in many moments, super racist. Yeah. But, like, so is Herodotus. Let's be real. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they did. We should definitely do an episode just, like, on 300. They did did do a good job at that. Um, Yeah. But, uh. I, I, and I I swear we should, I should probably just save my 300 opinions for the future. But 300, Rise of an Empire, Mm -hmm. I love so much because they were kind of like, if we're going to be completely ahistorical, we might as well just make women be important all over the place. Yeah, I know. And I like that. I like that about, that's a, that's a good way to think about being super freaking ahistorical. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to ignore history, like have fun with it, mm-hmm. you know, make, make the feminists happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely come back to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and, and as, as we said last time, um, even though we haven't actually posted anything, so you can't, you haven't heard this yet. Uh, we definitely want to hear feedback on what you guys want to hear about in the future. So if, if you're like, that sounds terrible, uh, maybe don't let us know. But if you're like, that sounds good, let us know about that. All right. Um, so, so, yeah. So what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. We were going to talk, yeah. Yes. About, uh, oh, and so, so Herodotus, I think, is really, it's certainly what we first see this idea of East versus West, but what's amazing to me about it is that, first of all, it definitely continues into Roman times, but but where the West is keeps moving, right? For the Romans, the Greeks were the ones uh, that were luxurious, that didn't have appropriate values, that were, like, too ruled by kings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So um, even, even, like, from really early on, this idea of East versus West is totally uh, mutable and uh, uh, and able to be used and changed for the purposes of whoever's in power at any given time, exactly. which I always found really interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, but anyway, yeah, as we keep going on into the future, right? and unfortunately, it really does continue day. Um, yeah, and and it contributes like to really seeing ourselves as, as other, Mm -hmm. uh, from, uh, people in the East, which of Mm -hmm. course sort of also now includes like North Africa. I mean, um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, but that's, you know, it, it, it's something that is also the result probably of this, uh, the continued sort of, you know, the rise of Christianity, yeah. And the rise of Islam and uh uh which I think accentuated that was because um you know, with the Christians trying to separate themselves yeah. or uh or trying to, you know, uh crusade over to um uh, uh we should definitely do also an episode on the crusades because this is coming back. Mm-hmm. This is like a thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was some really, really weird post about the Blackwater guy, Eric Prince, and how he, like, was talking, like, kind of seriously about, like, crusader imagery. Um, uh, I, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you wanted to talk a bit about, um, yeah. The rise of Islam, eh? Well, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the rise of Islam is obviously, it's, um, uh, it's really the, the, well, Islam arose in the, Sixth century, um, mm-hmm. um, and and of course, you know, over the course of um, a century, century and a half, um, mm-hmm. conquered uh, a lot of uh, uh, 
territory from, mm-hmm. uh, in southern Spain, uh, to, uh, east to India. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and of course, this had, uh, a, a, a huge, um, effect on, um, in some ways, like creating, um, uh, harmonized, uh, culture, I guess, that was mm-hmm. then continued by the Ottoman Empire, um, throughout just. Uh, one thing I want to say though, one thing I find really interesting when people talk, when, when, not when like people necessarily that I talk to on a daily basis, but when people sometimes I see making arguments on talk about the rise of Islam, they, they really emphasize it's like military nature mm-hmm. and the idea that like there's something, uh, different or dangerous about a culture conquering wide swaths of territory. Mm-hmm. And like, if I, I don't know if they've studied history before, but I'm pretty but sure like, that, that's kind of what a lot of them do. <laughs> like there, there are no, there are very few cultures in time studying and talking about, except, except maybe Egypt. Egypt is not the most concrete kind of place, right. but everywhere else, like literally every other ancient Mediterranean that we spend time talking about, like, they did their best. Yeah. They did their best to spread and conquer yeah. as efficiently and, and as they could. So there's nothing, there's nothing inherently no. more aggressive no. about early, early Muslim culture than practically any other culture we, we study and read about. Yeah. I mean, absolutely not. It's just, it's just another. <laughs> They're pretty good at it. I mean, yeah, it's just that's, another that's, that's not a, and you know, that's not, that's not a, a, a knock on them. No, exactly. <laughs> um, and they're, yeah, absolutely. It's not, they're not more violent than anybody else. Um, and in fact, while the Ottoman Empire itself was one of like the most stable empires for a long time. Uh, and what's sad to me is that the things that people don't realize is that and, you know, and, and this is, you know, it's, you know, we talk a lot about, um, especially when we're talking about the Middle Ages, everybody knows about the Renaissance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody knows about Italy. And again, of course, all of these things happened, you know, all of the, mm-hmm. you know, people and artists and all of that did exist. So I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, like, we shouldn't pin to them. But one thing that is completely, um, uh, glossed over is the fact that the Renaissance in many ways made possible, um, mm-hmm. as a result of, um, uh, uh, Islamic culture. And by yeah. that, I mean that uh, during the Middle Ages, uh, the, whereas, uh, whereas in Europe, there was kind of a long period of time where, uh, scholarly endeavors were not encouraged. Um, uh, and especially because of, you know, the Christian faith and, you know, a lot of the, the old, you know, the ancient texts from Greece and Rome were rejected um, mm-hmm. because against like Christianity. And so all of that kind of thinking was not encouraged. And in fact, a lot of, and this always makes my heart want to part, um, <laughs> so many of those manuscripts were burnt yeah. or destroyed. Yeah, we can't talk about that. Yeah, I, I think we, we need, to, we need to just pass over that. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, while this is happening, so while, you know, Europe is, is experiencing this kind of like freeze when it comes to like, <laughs> you know, intellectual thought, um, the exact is happening in, uh, in the East and in the, you know, Arab lands, uh, where, uh, uh, scholarship and philosophy, and at that time, philosophy means everything. It means mathematics, yeah. astronomy, like any medicine, um, yeah. uh, mathematics. All of these things, uh, are being encouraged. Uh, mm-hmm. not only that, but, uh, um, uh, Muslim and Jewish scholars are uh, are transcribing. They're not only interpreting and writing their own interpretations, but they're also transcribing all of these documents. Aristotle, uh, for, for example, was forgotten to the West. Yeah, I think one thing that I, I feel like sometimes happens with people that that really only study um, like the Middle Ages and the Renaissance from, like, the quote-unquote Western perspective, is there's this idea that there was just, like, 
the the Islamic nations were just like holding on to the texts, <laughs> but they weren't just holding on to them, waiting for the West to take them back, right? They were actually developing um, huge advances in scholarship and understanding. Right, exactly, um, and that's the thing is them. that it's and it's it's really if if it weren't for <laughs> for them, <laughs> we wouldn't have Aristotle, and Aristotle like was the basis for. I mean, the use of logic, of Aristotelian yeah. logic, uh, I mean, to interpret okay. the meaning of, uh, especially like the, you know, the Bible and the works of the yeah. church in the medieval period was, yeah. uh, was, was huge. So, I mean, yes, Aristotle is actually the worst though, right? We can all just sort of agree no, on that. I know. I, I, I'm not saying whether you, whether you like <laughs> or hate him. The fact is right. that like, you know, he's played a huge role in the development yeah. of science uh, 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 since then, and if it weren't for them, we wouldn't. Um, yeah. And you know that also kind of brings me to the point that you know so so yeah so 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 Muslim uh, Muslim and Jewish scholars had done this stuff for uh, quite a while, and it wasn't until sort of you know the uh, Europe started creeping out of its you know of its hole because uh, mm-hmm. it was a bit of an, a, a bit of a dark age for a while. Uh, it wasn't until then, once like you know the, the trade was picked up or trade with uh, you know Muslim uh, countries was uh, reinstated in some cases because at some points you know it's been banned or whatever. Um, uh, but not not all the time. But uh, that happened. Um, that you know people started like communicating, <laughs> you know, yeah. and this type of stuff started, you know, and so little by little around the 12th, starting in the 12th, 13th centuries, these words start back into, um, mm-hmm. into, into Europe, uh, and contributing to eventually, you know, the Renaissance or what we know as the Renaissance. Yeah. Um, and it is sort of really sad to me that, uh, this is first of all, the kind of thing that is never highlighted. Um, yeah. And and as a side note, it also sort of reminds me of another thing that always saddens me a little bit, which is that, you know, hey, we think Middle East, we think Israel and versus all the other countries. Right. We think about the Jews, Muslims as, you know, being the, these eternal enemies who uh, will never find a solution for coexisting and that's just because it's their nature to do so or something or I think a lot of people right. assume that's the case um, and I, I and it's so sad to me because in fact if you were Jewish in the place like you were probably I, I mean you wanted to be in like the Ottoman world Absolutely. <laughs> or for in the sure. Muslim world you wanted to be there um, the Muslims were not to say that they didn't have their occasional persecutions because mm-hmm. a lot of times it kind of depends on the whim of the Sultan or whoever the charge yeah. um, but generally speaking under the law uh, Christians and Jews meaning you know non-Muslims uh, mm-hmm. were um, had to pay a little bit more taxes um, mm-hmm. but, uh, they were often given their own, um, uh, their own self ruling, yeah. uh, the, the millet system is called, I think, um, where they basically can govern themselves according to their own laws. As long as they keep paying the taxes and doing their own thing, um, they're allowed to, um, you know, to carry on perfectly happily. And in fact, at the time of, the, uh, uh, during the Middle Ages, there was a huge, uh, huge, uh, uh, series of, of uh, expulsions of, uh, Jews from Europe, uh, yeah. in, you know, in the 13th century from southern Italy and England, and the 14th from France, and the 15th from Spain. In Spain, uh, almost a million, uh, Jews. And, uh, they went, most of, they took refuge in the, the Ottoman Empire. Um, and, and there were Jews living in, in the Middle East, not just in sort of modern day Israel. Like, there are tons of, there were tons of Iraqi Jews, mm-hmm. Iranian Jews, like, have friends who were Iraqi Jews. I mean, they left. Right. You know, in, in like, when all Jews left everywhere, um, right. around the same time, you know, that didn't all work out, really. I don't think there are that many Iraqi Jews left, but it's not like, the, the the idea of of that sort of incompatibility is really recent. 
Right, exactly. It's, you know, it, it's not a, a historical. And for some reason, you know, I often feel like it's given a lot more, you know, like somehow there is, you know, because Muslims in some ways are more backwards, you know, there's this idea that they're more backwards and therefore intolerant mm-hmm. of other religions. Right. Um, you know, that this is, uh, you know, th- there's this, you know, assumption, I think, there that's false. And, and only that, but what it, what it, what that also does is, is it gives the impression that we, Western Christians, are, who, are who the, we, who we, we Western, yeah, I guess I shouldn't say we. I'm not Christian, I'm Jewish. Yeah, I know. For the record, well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm agnostic, but my right. point being that in, in, you know, the we Christian tradition, yeah. Um, uh, people, uh, are, uh, somehow above that kind of behavior. Um, right. And which is really funny because, you know, you want to talk about persecutions and I'm telling you, you know, Dude, did I tell you that, um, in one of my, there. in one of my evaluations, um, uh, when I was teaching like the big Western civ history class, I got some wrote that I was biased against the Catholic church. And I was like, Really? Listen, it's not my fault. <laughs> like, I, I am telling you history. Yeah. You may not like said, yeah, yeah, but that is not on me. Yeah. So anyway, just all to say that yeah. it's um, but even in this sort of what 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 can seem you know from watching the news or or growing up in this country, sometimes I think you know, like in the last twenty years, you would have this sense, this false sense that you know we've always been opposed to uh, culturally, religiously, politically, uh, to these others, um, these people from the Middle East. And, of course, they are realized as Muslims. Um, yeah. But, um, and and that is just not the case. And, you know, <laughs> the fact that that is, that has been the case I means thought. that it's, oh, yeah, that's puzzling my dog. <laughs> uh, it doesn't always have to be. Um, yeah, and I think that, that that kind of goes back a little bit to, like, what the point of this podcast yeah. is, right? That that it's offensive to us when people use these historical ideas to justify um, prejudices and beliefs today when it's it's ahistorical. Right, and in, right? in fact, it like, does the, the, the idea that, like, because it's been this way now, it is always this way, and there's no, there's no historical corrective to that, yeah. you know? No. So that's why we wanted to do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that came across somehow. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so in summary, uh, the Muslim ban is terrible. Yes. And we're very upset about it. Yeah. And uh, pretty much really upset about everything these days. Yeah. And uh, well I'm glad. At a time. Yes, I'm glad that we, we have this podcast to, uh, it helps me feel at least like we're, we're doing something. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many uh, hearts and minds we're changing here, but, uh, you know, it makes me feel a little better. Hopefully made you think a little bit. Yes, that's the that's the idea. So um, if you want to reach us, we would love to hear from you um, on feedback, on uh, suggestions, on topics, on on questions. If you guys have any um, listener questions that we can answer, we would love that. You can find us at Cassandra's pod at Twitter. uh, no dots or anything, just Cassandra's pod with a C mm-hmm. and not a K. And you can email us at Cassandra's pod at gmail.com. Uh, so we will uh, hopefully see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.